Blog Talk Radio.
He's on a three-week rotation now, but when he's home, he's home. So that's that great. You know, and I, without being cynical, I was thinking about that this morning. How many people would love that kind of a marriage? <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've had a lot of a lot of women say, "Wow, that's maybe my marriage would have worked if we had that schedule." <laughs> um, yes, yes, but we, we uh, we're a close family and we enjoy our time. We enjoy our time when he's home, well, and, and when well, he's away, he's that, always emailing. Oh, that's yeah. The, that's today's technology just allows for people to be in, so, in proximity, no matter where they are. It's fantastic. So, so yeah, I I, I know that about you because I met Adam, and uh, you're right. Whenever he's in town, that is your priority. You talk about you guys are always out on your boat. And, uh, you know, I, I was on the water for years myself, and that's just such a beautiful part of the world to uh, be running around the Boston Islands and exploring all of that stuff. So we're here to talk about one of the things when I asked you about coming on to the show, and I heard the title of your book, which I read uh, last night, and it's a great read. It really is. And uh, short you. and sweet and to the point. And I, I started, we started to speak about mothers, and you quickly said to me, we're not gonna, I don't want to talk about mothers, I want to talk about kids. Mm-hmm. And so what do you have to say about kids today, especially well, everybody? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so, so my son, um, Jack, is dyslexic. So when he was little, school was hard for him to sit still because he very, very busy. So that's when I created and designed this morning program, Keep Moving Kids, at his school, the Jacobs School. So we've had hundreds of kids over the years. We've been doing it for six years. I've had the first year, I had 40 kids sign up. (laughs) So I ended up having to have a couple of other moms help me. And we just volunteered. And we have a whole program with the children where we do do warm-ups, then we break into relays, and then we play games, kindergarten through grade six. The kids it's are happened. absolutely hilarious, and oh, the yeah. hour flies by, and it's so easy. I have moms that are not athletic at all to moms that are very athletic help me with this, and dads can do it too, and it's only like one hour, 7.30 to like 8.25. And that's it just that's every, by. every morning? 
Is that every no, morning? No, it's just on Mondays. I'm all, I only get the gym okay. on Mondays. But that's okay. why I wrote the book, because I wanted to get it out there that you, too, can do this. I don't have a degree in uh, you know children's psychology or children's athletics or anything like that. Oh, what kids like to, you know, what they like to do and how they like to have fun. So it doesn't take a rocket science to do this program, which is why I do that. Um, I also make clothing for kids because kids are more and more into sports, and we live in Hull, and it gets cold. So I use a lot of fleece because in the you know the early spring and the late fall, it's just bitter, bitter cold down here. So you know I always dress my son in my clothes, anyways. So I started making it for children, and my program with the book. Is uh, I've sold you know quite a few copies. I'd like to be able to see this across the country. If every parent could give one hour a week running kids around a gym, or maybe not every parent, but may- maybe just a couple in each school system, I think it would make a tremendous difference. The kids can sit down, they can learn. Jack's teachers went on about that, how he can really sit down and take in the information. They were amazed. And when there was a big test day, they go, are you going to run him around before he comes into school? Because <laughs> he would do so much better. And then they feel better. And it's just they'll come in like grumpy. It's Monday morning, and they don't want to get out of bed. But they leave so happy by the time they go off to school, You because know, oh, it's right at the school gym. Um, and we just we have so much fun, and I've had parents tell me that it's just been the kids love it. They can't wait till it starts, and it's just it's been such a blessing and a joy. It's been a lot of fun, a lot of fun. How much uh, inertia or uh, was there to get it into the school system? Were they were they open? Or were they? Oh yeah. You know, was they there were some like, question? Nope, they really? were absolutely thrilled. Yep, and it, you know, again, any parent working in a school has to. Uh, do a quarry check just to make sure everybody's okay and uh, and that's not the problem but they were like yeah absolutely you want to do this go run with it (laughs) so they let me no no pun intended now no what happens my question is what happens the other four days i mean is there do the teachers notice the difference uh, or is that enough uh, to get it going at the beginning of the week and it'll slowly transition the kids into, you know, into that sedentary lifestyle that they get in a school. Well, they, I think that they do best on that Monday because they have that exercise. I mean, it's, it's yep. pretty good evidence about that. Um, the rest of the time they have an other programs at the school which they use the gym in the morning. So we, I only get it one day a week, but it's still it's something. It's something. Sure. And Absolutely. And I'm a runner. I run. I've been running for, you don't want to know how many years, but 25 years. <laughs> and I run in the morning. And it's my right. most creative time. My, yep. um, I just can figure out problems. Everything pops. I'll go for a run, and I'll come back with this amazing stuff. And yep. my husband, before he ran with me, would be like, oh, my God, here she comes. She'll come in with a million to-dos. <laughs> <laughs> because I just I pop and and it's like that with kids too. Once you open them up like that and the endorphins are you know off and running, they can really take in things. They're happier. It just is a win-win all the way around. You, all the way. You know, around. it's you uh, I, I speak to inner city schools and I go in and uh, well, <clears throat> people who've listened to the show before. Um, I was also an educator and uh, actually did, when I was in the corporate world, I was the uh, head trainer for my uh, corporation. So I've always been interested in learning the learning process and how to make it more efficient, et cetera. And it really is, when you see what is going on in the schools, because I am in there, um, it's, 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 it's frightening because, and a lot of it has been written, especially today, about how the whole system evolved, and the whole system evolved to train people to work in the types of offices that uh, existed, well, probably up till about 10 years ago, where everybody Mm -hmm. sat at a desk or a cubicle, and everybody sat and did their work, and everybody sat for eight hours a day. And now uh, the the brightest and, and the best of the corporations are all about teamwork and all about working in groups and all about working with the technology and trying to be a heck of a lot more creative. And so the schools are way behind, way behind they are. because they're, yeah, they're trying what I call a cramming curriculum into the kids' craniums. 
And these poor kids come in, and they sit in these tiny desks. Most of the kids are so, so big right now. Even the desks or the chairs or whatever are confining. Mm-hmm. And and the schools place no priority. Everything is on about the testing, and there's no priority to what you just talked about, movement. Well, that's and what as a result, step in. Good for you. Good for you. And that's what a Renaissance mother is, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Great. And, and so things. tell us how you canvassed and got support from the other parents. How did How did you do that part? Oh, that was easy. At the park, when the kids were running around, I just said, you know, there's not enough for school. And they go, yeah, absolutely. You want to do it, Laurie? Go for it. Great. <laughs> so Great. that's usually what happens. If you're going to open your mouth, you better step up to the plate. So no. that's, that's what we did. Yeah, have you got and, feedback from higher up? I know you get it from the teachers. Oh, the they love it. They, they absolutely love it. And the principal, after the first year, said, you guys are getting paid. No more of this free. So the kids were charged, I think, parents were charged $2.50 a class. So ah, we could okay. get paid. Nice. Yeah. Nice. But nice. I, nice. I would nice. do it for free anyways. And if we didn't have of enough course. kids, sometimes I didn't get paid. You know, I'd make sure my assistant got paid because it really isn't about the money for me. It's about of course. the right. whole, now, so the what, whole piece what, of So what was you doing with the gym with them? Was it, um, did you use a ball or did you use props or did uh, oh we used everything uh, our my program mm-hmm. is we we start off with the kids come in we get them ready we run them around the gym two times then mm-hmm. we break into relay teams and we do karaoke we do we have like these <laughs> things that they, they have to do karaoke up and back you know what that is crisscrossing your legs no, it's no. a certain step that you do. It's a special type of step that you do, and it's it's tricky. It's not easy, but it takes you know it takes some brain power in addition to muscles. So we do that. We also do uh, we have these little like skatey things, and they have to sit on their butts and skate up and then skate back, hand it off to the next person. So we do a bunch of relays. We do probably five to about six relays, and then we break into capture the flag. Pac-Man. There's all a bunch of games we play. My gym teacher who works at the school, Kyle Shaw, is just absolutely the best. And we'll say, you know, we need some new games. <laughs> He'll give me a new game. And he's always keeping an ear. And, you know, sometimes some of the kids need a little bit of disciplining. And mm-hmm. if he sees that, he'll just pull one of the kids right over and talk to him. <laughs> so okay. it doesn't so, disrupt the whole class. So he's around. So he, so he helps, oh, okay. too. Okay, but it's okay. not his job to help, but he always helps anyways. He's just phenomenal. So we're uh, we're very blessed to have him. But with the schools, they don't have enough activity. So if they can get that done in the morning, and I think if more gyms, it's a safe area for kids to go to in the inner city. Mm-hmm. You don't really want your kids outside because if it's a bad right. neighborhood, they could get right. hurt. So, you know, after school they have a lot of programs, but I like before school because I know that that sets the kids up for success for the day. Yes, absolutely. I mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then after the games, we do a circle and we stretch. We do stretching. Nice. It's really yoga, but we don't tell them that. We say it's right. stretching. And then we talk about food, and I ask, what's your favorite vegetable? What time of year is this, and what do you see a lot of? So we talk about apples and pumpkins. Has anybody tried, you know, pumpkin bread? We'll ask questions. Who cooks? Does anybody cook with pumpkins? So I, I, we do that, and then we do that in the spring, too. But we're always talking about fresh fruits and vegetables, and we explain to them how that grows your body and keeps it strong. Um, so we kind of really touch on the basis of exercise, food, mindfulness, you know, thinking about what you're going to eat today. Try to eat some good vegetables. Try to eat, you know, if you eat meat, lean cuts. You know, so I right. it's a program where we're not just doing exercise, we're touching on a lot of different topics. And of course Monday mornings I'll say, Who played soccer this week or whatever it was? And they'll all raise their hand and, and I'll ask them, Did you have fun? It's yeah. not about winning, it's about having fun. Because they're exactly. all winners. Every right. one of these kids is winners because they're there. Yeah, exactly. 
Fantastic attitude. Now, what's the receptivity? What, what's the, how do they receive this, especially about the food and things like that? Do you see, you know, do you see marked improvement? Can you have you got milestones that, you know, as you get these kids in the fall, and then you find that by two or three weeks or a month, you know, they they are becoming more mindful that they've got more stories about food that you know that these things are really they're carrying them to the home, and they're getting well, they them go done. Home and- yeah, they go home and they ask mom if they could have, like, you know, if, if we talked about green apples and nobody's ever had them, mom, can we get green apples? Or, you know, I had a tangerine or I tried a new vegetable. So it kind of gets the conversation going. Um, it would be too much for me to try to track. Parents are so busy. The last thing that they want me to do is send the kids home with a questionnaire asking, are your children eating better? <laughs> right, right, right. So, well, no, I know. I was just, wondering if you if you're seeing evidence through – the response and the feedback of the kids saying, "Oh, you know, we made, we did make a uh, a pumpkin dish last week, or we did, yes. you know, try." So you're getting that. I am getting that. I am getting that. They're they're um, trying new things and they're eating stuff that they normally don't. You know, they normally wouldn't try, but they'll give it a whirl. Yep. And my cooking show certainly is helping with that as well. Yeah, I saw the show and it was it was a lot of fun. And first of all, it was, was it filmed in the house? Yes. Yeah, and you've got a great kitchen. You should show yeah. that off. And, and boy, how many camera shoot was that? Because you know, being a I think they little two. bit of a video. I think I think they yeah. had two. And great. Um, it held now, how often they do you do a terrific job? Yeah, how often do you do the cooking show? I've done three episodes, and great. so we did one. I shoot shot two in the summer, and then I did one last month, October, and I've got to do. I've got, you know, I will do more. It just depends on how my December lays out because <laughs> mm-hmm. it's busy. It's a, I'm the one that does it all. Obviously, when it's cable, you, you're not, you know, you don't get a salary or a helper. You have to do it. Of course not. <laughs> so well, you know, that, but that's work. that's how great things start, you know. And, yeah, uh, yeah. And, and it, you know, the, again, it's, it's a high quality, uh, filmed in high quality. And, you know, you've got some real simple things that any kind of, you know, I, th- I think you did a gazpacho and uh, uh, there was another salad, I think, that you did. Yeah, yep. Yeah, the, oh, the pita yep. breads. Yeah, great idea. And um, well, I'm trying to so get families that, that how, Yes, exactly. And how do you get, do you get feedback from that? What What's the response from the community or the kids? Uh, because, you know, we like to see these things, you know, making an impact and seeing the changes. You know, if you're going to put the effort in, you want to see that there's going to be some kind of result. So what, ha- I mean, so what's been the reaction to the, to the show? Well, I've been hearing from adults that have been using my recipes and liking them. Excellent. So that's good. And honestly, I know a couple moms that don't cook, and I would never put them on the spot. Mm-hmm. But I know that some of the kids have said they saw it and they're trying it. So some of the kids have told me that. Adults have told me that. So I know that it is having an effect. And then Hull Cable has been getting rave reviews on it. So oh, there keep, you go. it's very well received and nothing but praise. So And this is a tough little town. <laughs> so yes, it I is. Was, <laughs> yeah, so I was glad to hear that. I was glad to hear yeah, that. Yeah, They're liking it. Did, um, now, how did... I, I love the term Renaissance mother. How did you come up with that? Um, well, because you know, after the Renaissance, you know, it's just it's just you have to be able to do a lot of things, and and the Renaissance is older, like the way things were before. You know, before. Yes, yes, yes. I love it. So you kind of you want to be able to. For me, it, it's a different type of a name. I'm an older mom. And we're going back to the, like, when I was a kid and you could, parents cooked, families cooked, moms were around, you were outside playing, there was more exercise. And so that's really why I decided that would that would be a pretty cool name. I also had a couple different names for the book, and I did ask some friends, and they all liked Renaissance as well. So it won. <laughs> Great. Well, it's... Uh... It's my, you know, <laughs> it's one of my pet rants and pet peeves, the good old days, and uh, what we've lost uh, as a result. And so I, you know, when I see this kind of grassroots thing, it gives me hope. And one of the things that's happened on this show is that we've reached mothers all over the country, who, um, you know, where we're starting to see pockets 
of this, a return to the basics, uh, because we've gotten so far away from it. And when that happens, you know, everybody suffers. Yes. Yep. You know, and uh, you know, it doesn't take much to look at some of the stats of how things are evolving in the society to see that you know things are you know pretty in pretty rough shape in a lot of areas. So. Uh, and kudos to you. I mean, I just think this Thank is you. fantastic. So let's talk about, because I'm just a touch, and my father is dyslexic, and I've got a little bit of it. Um, and so to, tell us about that experience, about what it was like for you and what it's like for your son, and what do you think the lessons were, both pro and con uh, from that, and how it, you know, I, 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 I'm looking at it, and I, I take my own experience, and I also take my father's and see how he dealt with it. And also, there's a um, great treatment of it in um, the book David and Goliath and mm-hmm. uh, Malcolm Gladwell. I don't know if you're familiar yep. with the book. Okay, I am. Great. Great. Yeah. So why don't you talk about that a little bit? Sure. Okay, well, I was never diagnosed dyslexic, but... I was dyslexic, and I went to nun school. So basically, um, I stuttered when I read. I stuttered when I started reading, and the nun spanked me in front of the whole class. Yeah. Oh, wow. You know, but they were doing it. They, 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 were, they did they that were out of love. They not nice people. <laughs> <laughs> they gave so, their lives um, to you. Remember yeah. all the... <clears throat> all of the uh, what we used to hear when we're coming, but they're giving their lives to you. Well, I wish they didn't. <laughs> no, exactly, exactly. So it was just kind of pushed. I was pushed along, and but I was bright. I just couldn't learn the way they were teaching it. So I kind of had right. to figure it out. And right. by the time I got to college and I went to a, um, a state school, and all my professors were from BU and Harvard, and one of the you know, people came over, and I had to sit down for a meeting, and they go, I want to apologize to you for every teacher you've ever had. They never <laughs> took the time to teach you. And that was really kind of quite eye-opening because it's like I knew I wasn't learning what I was supposed to be learning. I knew it. But I could sew because they taught you sewing back then. Thank the dear Lord I knew how to sew. But anyways, um, so, you know, they worked with me, and I, they got me some tutors and some help, and I was able to graduate college. But it was not easy very hard, and I had trouble focusing and studying. So now I'm taking Orton Gillingham. Um, I'm way older than most of my stu- the students that my teacher teaches, but we do, you know, this Orton Gillingham, and I'm almost ready to be finished, so I'm just thrilled. But it's given me what is, some confidence. What, what is that? I don't know what that is. It's, uh, it's one of the lessons that helps children that are dyslexic and people that are dyslexic decode the sounds and the letters and the spelling of things, because things twist around when you're dyslexic. Right. You know, letters do, and and the sounds. And, and so anyways, I, I'm almost finished with it. My son took the same program. But when he was little, in kindergarten, I said, I think he's dyslexic. And they're like, yeah, they all kids twist their letters. And I kept saying it. And finally in second grade, somebody pulled me inside said, I think he's dyslexic. I'm like, no. <laughs> so we ended up getting him some services. And um, so he's, you know, it's a struggle, but he can do it. And he's he's got lots of confidence. He's not going to suffer like the way I suffered as a kid because I just, they didn't know enough. They did know enough, but I was with nuns, and the nuns just did not teach it. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> oh, Anyways, thank God so some days ago. So and I recently, uh, just inside, I not only had Catholic grammar school, I also had Catholic high school and Catholic college. Ooh. Uh, and oh. it, it certainly was enough to uh, <clears throat> wake me up uh, without uh, <laughs> alienating some listeners. And But I got a chance to do my 50th high school reunion, and I was able, the principal of the high school still alive and was attended. And I looked at him as I was, I'm a stand-up comedian, and I was uh, entertaining the, uh, the the entire class. And I looked straight at him, and I said, you know, that you would go to jail today for what you did to us. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it was done in a manner that was light, but <clears throat> it smacked of the truth, and he actually he nodded in agreement. They would have gone to jail. But, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but, uh, but okay, so now 
talk about the book with Malcolm Gladwell and what he says about dyslexics. I think this is important for not only my parents of dyslexics, but parents of all kids who have some kind of, you know, who aren't, <clears throat> quote, normal or superior in, in schoolwork. And uh, do you remember that part, what he said? The, I, that you know it what? Really I, know wasn't... Of, I know of the book. I have not sat down and read it. Oh, okay. Well, let me I do it then. The it's so it's you really you enlightening. It. <laughs> yeah. He, uh, the basis, the theme of the book, and this is, you know, what I found in my, my life experience, is that adversity and setbacks and, you know, um, having a skill set that's not what, the society, what fits in society, is not a disadvantage in the long run. No. That those disadvantages, and he, the reason he called the book David and Goliath was because he he, he starts off t- telling the story of David and Goliath, that, in, that we assume, all of us assume that size, strength, power, all of those things are an advantage in winning the game of life, or any mm-hmm. game. And yet he proves that in, in in that very first story that Goliath was doomed from the beginning because Goliath, because of his size and because he had so much equipment on, et cetera, was no match for, for small David because in those days, what other things people didn't realize is that somebody who was able to control a sling was virtually a marksman, a sniper. They they were as accurate as a rifle. And mm-hmm. so all David had to do was stay out of Goliath's way and flip rocks at him and finally crunch him in the head. And so mm-hmm. it, the the real the real Goliath was David and the real David was was Goliath and that's what he says. So now then he went on to prove case after case after case of all these amazing uh, entrepreneurs and scientists and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, are people who w- were dyslexic who learned to do exactly what you and your son lear- are learning to do, is mm-hmm. to think outside the box, to adapt, and to create new ways to get through. And that gives those individuals way more resilience than those kids who come in and find it very easy to uh, excel in, in school. And later yep. on, when when they do face adversity, they're not equipped. Right. They haven't got that skill set that you know we get from having that adversity at a young age and having the resilience to plow through it. And mm-hmm. you know, and hence, uh, <laughs> you, know, you know, Prozac and <laughs> medication <Yep. laughs> instead of resilience and adaptation. So. Um, <laughs> No, I mean, do you do you agree? I mean, you find that oh, in I your do. own. I I absolutely well, I mean, look do. At, look, look at look, look at you. I mean, you have a happy marriage. You, I mean, mm-hmm. every time you talk about your husband, you and, and I, and I see the evidence in no, no, Adam's home, and we we're going sailing, and sailing. we're going to spend time <laughs> together. And I think that that really, and, and again, another probably blessing of the three weeks, three three weeks on, three weeks off, is that when you are guys are together, it's really quality time. It is, it is, and you know, you're at the at the end of your life, you don't say, "Geez, I should have worked more." <laughs> <laughs> you just don't. You know, you you, you want to make sure that you enjoy every moment that you have, especially, and make it. Make it an important, important for your family Absolutely. and for your child to see, because you're giving them roots and wings. And the struggle with Jack, I've told him that. I've told him a ton of times that, you know, you will learn the skills you need so that when you're older, it won't be as difficult as it is because you'll have figured it out. Yep. And he broke. And- he broke. He plays lacrosse. He broke the neighbor's window. Came in and told me. I didn't get mad at him. And I said, accidents happen, because I know this is a very valuable skill for him to learn. We called sure. the neighbor. We told the neighbor, who said, make sure he signs it so if he comes a pro, I'll make some money off of him, <laughs> which was great. But, um, you know, we went we went over to the house. We vacuumed up the glass. We cleaned it up. His father and I discussed. It's his first window. We will pay half. He'll pay the other half. Nice. And that's what we decided. And he wasn't crazy about that, but it's like, how is he going to learn? I don't teach him. 
Exactly. He's not. Exactly. He's not going to learn. You know, and, uh, yeah. And, uh, and accidents are expensive, and stuff happens, and it's okay. That's it's not right. a big deal. And they, are exactly, and they are exactly what you said. They're an accident. You know, they're not intentional. Yep. No. And, um, th- and things happen, and it's it's done, it's over, and you can only, you know, pick up the pick up the glass and move on. Right. And so, so children, when they make mistakes, you have to teach them. Vacking the house Saturday, he's going to wake up and he's going to vac the house. <laughs> That's right. his job. Well, he's 13 years old. Well, I had this, another one of my pet peeves, and I had this discussion with my father last night. And um, <laughs> You're you lucky know, you um, still have him. Oh, he's 91 years old. God bless him. And as oh, bright as him. can be, and I talk about a guy, he didn't finish high school. He uh, and went on to be a successful plumber and... Uh, you know, built houses and, you know, can fix anything and uh, did quite well for himself financially and had a great marriage with my mom. And, you know, he's got four kids. And so he's had, uh, and, and he's still, you know, still going at 91. I don't see him stopping till past 100. He's so strong. So, <laughs> uh, so and again, one more, one more uh, plus for being a dyslexic. Um, but, you know, I I think that um, you know it's so funny because I love this. Uh, I love what you're doing. You're you're, uh, you're you're taking the bull by the horns in a million ways. You're busy too yourself, but you you've learned to adapt and you've learned to share what you've gone through. Again, if you probably hadn't gone through, you know, the adversity or the the liability of, ha- of being dyslexic, you wouldn't have the empathy to say, mm-hmm. hey. You know, let me p- pass this on to kids to do it, at least get physical before class so that when they are there, it's easier for them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's the kind of legacy, you know, in, in my case, that I want to pass on to, to to the world and to the kids is to tell them, you know, you, it doesn't have to be like, ev- you don't have to live like everybody else. No. You don't have to live this crazy, hectic, insane life. You don't have to... To spend your life doing something for the money for somebody else. You can be mm-hmm. creative. You can have your own existence. And that's what you've done. You you mm-hmm. design your own clothes. Now, how, now, what is it unique about what you do in terms of how do you think you've added something to athletic clothes? Well, to begin with, it's all made in the United States. So mm-hmm. Sport Tobin is made in the United States. So that's one. Two, I use really good quality fabrics. So mm-hmm. you basically can't kill my clothing. I mean, I've had a woman call me up and had the same pair of tights for 20 years, and wow. finally she bought another pair. <laughs> so the quality Excellent. is very good. The fabrics are very good. The fit is good. I don't skimp on the fabric. You get a good quality piece of fabric. So, you know, when you're getting a garment, it's I, I use the Politec Malden Mills fabric. I mm-hmm. use, um, you know, Fabrics that are from the United States, but they're they're beautiful and they wick and they pull moisture away. And I have stuff for the summer and some stuff for the winter. But it's just mine is that it's made here in the United States. We can do things that are different. I do hats and headbands with the town names on it. So you know, Cohasset's the town next door, and the team will buy Cohasset headbands. Hull will buy Cohasset. I mean, Hull hats. So we can do small lots where in china they're not going to do a hingham or a hall hat because they need to do thousands where we can do right. hundreds right. And they right. don't want to have to deal with that so that's one of it i also take my scraps and i donate them so my oh, school great. systems in this area yeah well that it ends up they use it for art so the art teacher yes. will take it and the kids will be able to use it in art why throw it out? Why not donate it and let school systems use it? And so I Excellent. have a bunch of schools, and I just bring them over a bag, and we have Sunset Point Camp, which is a camp for um, underprivileged kids from the city that come out and stay in Hull in the summertime. And I brought them a huge bag of scrap, too. They do things with the fabric, and it's, you know, it's free. They don't have to, it's not something that's going to cost the school budget to have Sportobin scraps. <laughs> So, well, so, uh, so you're saying United States? Are they made local? Yes. Local, local. Oh, yep. Great. We see here, do do? here in Hull, and sometimes we go to Fall River too. It just depends. When I was working with the three day, we had, I was doing hundreds and thousands, and that went down to um, a factory down in Fall River. 
So I use subcontractors that help me. I don't have a um, I don't have a full staff with people that are stitching all the time because one I don't don't need it, and um, you know the business is now to the point where the person that does my patterns she's she's always done my patterns, but she has her own business and she I will go over with what I want. She'll size up the patterns. You know, so but I so have do you, do, size four. Do you do the actual designs? Yep. Okay, but so once you with, have the design, she will take it and put it into the sizing, so it's it's you know schematic. So you're getting a size four, and children six, eight, ten, twelve, and then you go into adults, and then you know there's men and women sizes too. So she's always had her own business, and you use her for that service. You know, so different things that you do for business. The silk screener that did the hats. We have um, Hull Soccer United hats. So that is our soccer teams, all the teams, the local club level team that we have here in town, the in-town team. So I needed 150 hats silk screened. So there was somebody else that designed it. I sent it over to Rainbow, who does the silk screening for me. They, you know, did whatever they needed to do, and they imprinted it on all my fabric, on all the brims of the hats. I got the fabric back. And now we're getting the hats made up. So he's a separate company too. There's no need of having multitudes of people working for you because everybody is kind of a subcontractor, anyways, in the industry at this point. Right. And they right. all well, specialize and do what they do. Exactly. Yeah, and I, I mean, saw that's it on part my website. of the. Right. Well, that's that's the beauty of the new digital age is that you can find these people and. And do exactly that, and you don't have to incur the expense of, uh, you know, uh, salaries and uh, taxes and insurance and, and all of the other, you know, today, what are today unnecessary costs. You can just, you know, pass that on to somebody who knows what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So now, what gave you, what, how did this come about? I mean, how did you all of a sudden say, you know, I want to do this, but I wanted to do it? In, do you feel that your the, the clothing you have, if somebody sees somebody with, uh, one of your jackets or one of your tights or whatever, and they say, oh, that's that's Tobin. I know the style. I know the brand. Or Tobin. Um, no, sometimes they do. People who buy my clothing know of it, and so, you know, they they buy it. And sometimes they'll see my prints around and my shirts or different things. But I started as a child sewing when I was a little kid. I liked I, I'm creative. I'm artsy. So I was making clothing when I was a kid. So when I got to school and really learned how to sew, I knew I wanted to be a designer. And That's so, awesome. you know, I mean, it just evolves. And I was doing more like boutique silks and wool jerseys. And somebody said, you are such a jock. Why don't you make athletic apparel? And it's like, you know what? You're right. And that was the late 80s or yeah, probably the early 80s. And I started doing leggings because I was, I was a runner. And people would chase me down at the road race and say, I want a pair of those tights. <laughs> So ah. I was like, okay. okay, I oh, can so do this. So that's the, that's the that's the point of my questioning is, so when they when your stuff is unique to you, yeah, that's your brand. You can right. see the difference. Great. Yeah. And and so how did you get the ideas that you're going to style a thing in a certain way? Was it because of efficiency, function, or was it because of aesthetics? Uh, well, it's function, basically. I mean, if you're a runner and it's wintertime, you know, I used to wear two pairs of suplex tights before I found the Politec and the Power Stretch. So as soon as I found that, I only needed to wear one pair, and it was thermal, so it could be 20 degrees and I would still be warm. So I figured out, you know, you, you wanted to have certain fabrics. So I always went for the technology and the fabrics. And, you know, I've sold to a few boutiques and stores here and there, but... I like selling online because it just works better for me. Stores, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. My right. companies that I've, you know, sold to, that they move or, you know, it's just for me, I like selling direct to the customer because I love to hear, oh, my, that hat kept me warm. Like the Marathon Expo was last weekend down the Cape, and I go down and sell at that. And I had a letter from this gentleman who ran some marathon. It was freezing cold, and he said, the last, your hat kept me warm. I would not have been able to finish the marathon without wow. your help. Wow. You know, so I get like all these letters back from all these customers about how great my products are. And so, I mean, that's why I do it. I do it because I care about people. I'm I'm very passionate about families and children and kids and making the world a better place. 
And if you have good products, you can exercise and you can stay healthy and lean, and my clothing allows you to be able to do that. Plus, it will keep you warm, too. Great. So, you know, so sometimes you need to be warm. So I'm putting all these pieces together with a Renaissance mother as as you've uh, as you lived it and made it. Um, you know, it's it's fascinating because you've you're um, you're a businesswoman, mm-hmm. you but yet you business from an artistic standpoint because you're a designer. You took your skill set as a designer and um, somebody who's efficient with sewing. And you've turned it into a business, something that you know rewards you financially. You've mm-hmm. uh, you're a great mother. You love your kid. You told me uh, when we were talking, my kid is fun, and yep. so I, it, that is a rare expression for any parent. <laughs> you don't hear that often. Usually, it's oh, my kids are driving me crazy. So you know, but you then you didn't just leave it there. You took it into the schools. So you're obviously an achiever, um, and you're happy. So what would you say to both mothers and kids? What's your advice on how to live a, you know, a well-rounded, happy, fulfilled, and exciting, uh, self in uh, in in many ways self self-sufficient, self-actual, you know, self-actualized life. Well, enjoy your kids and find things that you can do that you enjoy together. Have fun, and, you know, just be, it's just such a small amount of time from when they're with you, so enjoy it, because they're going to be gone so quickly, and I just, I'm an older mom, I'm just so blessed and so lucky that he, he was born healthy, you know, he's, every every kid has one thing or another, but you, you need to just take each moment, remember, roots and wings with these kids, you're training them to be out in the world, so how you treat them and how you teach them is how they're going to be adults and, you know, and have fun and just have fun. Exactly. Um, he's and, you know, he's the, just the, a total the, blessing. He's so much fun. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And There's I, nothing greater. I, the best I thing like I kids. did was kids, having kids. Yeah. Kids are honest. <laughs> Most of the time they're very honest and they're hilarious. Yeah. Um, you know, there's – there's certain cliches of the cliques of moms who get into certain groups and stuff, and it's like uh-huh. I have a, a little bit of where I, you know, hang with pals and stuff, but, you know, my family is, like, first. My family and what goes along with that and my coaching. But I love what I'm doing. I mean, I love what I'm doing. I'm having a blast. Yep. And it's, it shows. It, you it's, just, you're right. And so, just be thankful every well, moment and every day. <laughs> exactly. And so, and, and you know, how can you get, when I see, again, without me getting on my soapbox, I, I lived through the 60s and 70s, and I saw the shift, the shift in emphasis, and the shift in emphasis went undoubtedly from family to career. Sorry, folks, mm-hmm. but that's what happened. And unfortunately, yeah, but- it's, per- it's still pervasive. And the kids were abandoned, and you just said something that is very, you know, pithy and uh, is simple. You only have them for a short time, and so why this rush to dump them in, you know, a daycare, or why this rush to get them out of your life? And mm-hmm. so I, you know, and I see the pain of that. I see, I mean, these poor kids are just lost, and they without need an hugs. identity, they need kisses. Yeah. Oh, it's just it, just it it crushes me. You know, you know, it isn't like before, you know, my grandmother died, you know, in her early 70s. I don't think she even made it and most of my grandfather died in his 50s and you know, we had a life expectancy of 70. Now we're seeing people like my father going to the 90s. So if you've got 9 or 8 or 9 decades to your life, which most people do, why can't you devote one decade to the most important thing in your life, mm-hmm. you know, and make that your priority? So, yep. you know, enough of, the, enough of that. So now what would you tell, what are you going to tell your son, or what would you tell other kids about you've done, you've taken your life and you've created, and you're not just simply somebody who goes and, as one of my friends says, fills a, a hole in the universe and just goes and does the mundane thing every day and comes home upset that, you know, you spend 10 hours out of the house and something that wasn't meaningful. And, you know, there's meaning in your life. There's meaning in, in, in everything you do. There's meaning in your sport. There's meaning in your design. There's meaning in your business. There's meaning in your family. And that is not the norm. 
So what would you tell a kid? How do you get to do what you do and what you've done? Hmm. Well, I think it starts with you need to look and see what, what brings you joy and what you love. And sometimes right. you have to work towards that. You don't get it right away. I right. mean, when I was in school, I was waitressing and bartending, and I had to do that for a while. And then I was able to work for myself. But I, I waitressed and bartended for like 15 years. Mm-hmm. You know, And then eventually I was able to transition into doing what I, in the meantime, I was still also doing my designing and, and selling my clothing, but I couldn't let go of that until I was at a place where I was able to sustain it. So you just have to go for your dream and be willing to try different things and just keep trying till you make it happen. And you do have to bring in the dollars. I mean, you know, we're taking this Apple course, but right now it's like I'm, I can't do as much as I'd like to do on that because it's my busy season. I need to be making you know, making money and doing what I'm supposed to be doing with the expos and everything else that I'm doing. So I don't have the time to actually devote to the Apple until January I'll have more time. I'll be able to get in there and really learn it. So and I know right. that. So I don't I don't put too much pressure on myself about that. That's just how it is. And you know, in the summertime, it's quieter, and so I just I go sailing with my family and we go and have fun because th- it's sailing, that's what we do. Now the boat's out of the water. Well, you know, the again, day, that's we're not going what, anywhere. <laughs> right. Well, that's so that's so evident with you is that you have balance. I mean, that's the part is you've been able to balance it all, and you know, you you said something earlier, and it just echoes what most people say. We don't have the time. You know. Well, you create you know, the time. There you go. That's what I wanted you to hear. You create, create the time. The I don't time. watch a lot of TV. I don't watch a lot of TV. I don't do a lot of. That kind of thing, because first of all, I can't sit still that long. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm always like up and moving around and doing stuff. But as a family, we've been doing this board. We do this family board of what it's in my book, and you can get my book on Amazon, Kindle Fire. I guess so you can go on there and get that if you want to get it. But we do a family board every year, and it's like, okay, Jack, what are the three things you want to do this year? Adam has three, and I have three, and we put it on a montage. We cut out pictures out of magazines doesn't have to be expensive and we put down our dreams and our hopes and by the end of the year you know we st- we do it in like september 90 percent mm-hmm. of it's done 90 yep. percent of it we're able to create and it doesn't even have to be a big thing but doing stuff like that gives a family focus right mm-hmm. um, Absolutely. And also you know it even if you are not a mom that cooks you can do a little bit of cooking not that hard to do. My show is going to be going on my blog, and it's uh, lauritobin.com, L-O-R-I-T-O-B-I-N.com. And once that goes on, you'll be able to see some recipes you can work with your family, eating healthier, slowing down, taking time for each other, and start with the kids with dreams. What do you want to do this year? What would be fun for you? Of course, Jack wants to go to the lacrosse museum, so we're going there. But in the meantime, I'm going to get to go to a museum because I like history. I'll go to a museum, and we'll visit some of Adam's relatives. So we're doing a three-for-in-one little trip. Great. But, yeah, but it's just if you start having focuses on, you know, what are we going to do to have fun, how can we have fun, and, yes, you know, carve out the time for the family, do a little bit of cooking, think about what's healthy to eat for your family. I know they're used to eating what they're used to eating, but you can introduce things little by little. And ten times with kids for them to like a vegetable. He's finally eating yellow peppers. I'm happy. (laughs) Well, I'm laughing because the greatest thing that happened to me was uh, to be born into a family with an Italian grandmother uh, and an Italian mother. uh, Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm jealous of that one. Oh, my God, it's just, uh, and, you know, uh, I always get ridiculed, you know, why do you have to have a candle on the table? You know, why do the lights have to be a certain way? Why do you, why do we have to, yeah, yeah, hello, you know, well, yeah, you know something, right? Why don't all the restaurants just turn up the lights all the way, you know, and put hard tables in, and you go in and they'll they'll throw the food in front of you. And No, that's what an experience is about. That's what life is about. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I think what I'm trying to focus on, and, and, and you've done it very well today, and, and you live, you are a living example of it, 
not to live a reactive life, Thank you. not to take not to take the life that everybody else is trying to give you. And so, oh, you've got to work 40 to 40 to 80 hours a week. You know, you've got to, you know, you've got to do this, that, and the other thing. And you've got to, you know, you've got to have the big house. You've got to have the car. You've got to have these things, da, 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 da. And before you know it, your life's over and you say, wow, what did I do? And your kids mm-hmm. are a mess. You've, you've had your third divorce. <laughs> People, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't have to be that way. You don't have to to fit into a little hole that the world is already, you know, Steve Jobs, who's, because of Apple and because of his legacy and because of what Apple gives to us, you know, he says, uh, he says, one day you wake up and you realize that the world was made and created and all of the things in it, he says, by people no smarter than you. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to do it their way. Mm-mm. You know, no, you can do it as you've done it. You. That's right. And so, yep. well, yeah, I think we've accomplished what I wanted to to hear and accomplish. You're, you're, it, whenever I can find an example like you of, and I love the term Renaissance mother because, um, first of all, mother, and there's, you know, I, again, I went through the '60s and '70s in horror. I was shocked to find out that such a condescending attitude to those mothers who decided to stay home with their kids, how they were ridiculed, mm-hmm. how they were, you know, put in, you know, like, oh, you know, disgusting, you know, and they felt it, those mothers who made that choice. And and it's still there in to, to a high degree. And so any movement I can see to go back, go back to the basics, to paying attention to your kids, to make sure something is cooked for them, to make sure that everybody sits down together as a family and, you know, and have communication. shut the electronics off. No electronics. Shut, no televisions, right, None. no televisions, nothing. You know, you pay attention, you look me in the eye, you talk to me, you tell me what happened to your, to your day, I'll tell you what happened in mine, tell me about your problems, how are you going to solve them, et cetera, instead of this scattered, I mean, I was divorced for years and single and it would just horrified me what was going on in single mothers homes um you know a pizza would be delivered at five o'clock and a kid would grab a piece and run to his friends the other kid would run in front of the tv and one kid would take it upstairs to the computer and i'd say what was that no that was dinner Mm -hmm. (laughs) doesn't have to be that way no exactly parents parents forget it's, it's a kid's job to give you a hard time it is. And yes. I accept that. I accept what? that. I know that. But it doesn't deter me. It's like, no, shut your iPad down now or I'll take it away. Right. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. So, yep. and, uh, You're the you parent. Know, and they don't make the choices. You do. It's not exactly. a Democrat. Yeah, it's not exactly. a Democrat society with, yep. at your home. It's Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Exactly. Well, kudos to you, Renaissance Mother Lori Tobin. Thank and again, you. why don't you give your um, your website and your blog and how they can get to in touch with you? You know, purchase some clothing from you and your book. So why don't you give us a rundown of all of those addresses? Okay. All right. Well, Sport Tobin is S P O R T O B is in Bob I N dot com. That's my website. Uh, for clothing and buying apparel. And you can email me, Lori, L-O-R-I, at sporttobin.com. My book, Renaissance Mother, is sold through Amazon, and it's called a short. It's a short book. It's either, I want to say it's either two ninety nine or three ninety nine. dollars 99 I saw it last okay. night, yeah. Okay. Recipes, ideas, and it also gives you a link so that you can get into how to do my children's program in the morning at your school. If you're a local Massachusetts person, I do have lots more scraps, so if any school systems want to come by and pick up some scrap, I've got bags of it because they use it for art supplies. And my blog is com, and that has some information on it, but my videos of my shows from the Hull Cable, Laurie Tobin's Cooking with Kids, will be going up shortly. We have to just figure out how to make it go there, but we'll get there. Thank you very much, Tom. This was fun and, and, uh, again, very meaningful. And, you know, I can sit and pontificate all I want and, you know, sing. But when when I get an example of somebody who's actually done it, I mean, that's the way that we break through to everybody and say, look, 
it it works. You know, it's not a pipe dream. It, it's a it's a reality, and I can't believe the timing of this because on my end, I'm getting prompted that we we nailed this show exactly at one hour. <laughs> That's wonderful. <laughs> well, I will see you in, at Apple this week, and uh, sure. thank you, Lori, for taking the time to do this. I know you got a busy schedule, and I, and by the way. This will be a podcast, and it will also be an archived uh, show, so uh, we can get people to listen to it at any time and get all this great information. Terrific, Tom. Thank you very much. We'll see. Thank you, Lori, we'll and, and stay well. out of stay out of this crazy weather for the next couple. I of will. Days. I hope. Hope that game right. gets canceled. <laughs> Bye. All right. Take care. Bye. Thank you. And that's it, folks, from Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. And thank you for coming, tuning in, and tune in next week. Same time, 10 o'clock, and we will do it again. And I think maybe Bucky will be back next week. All right, folks, take care. We'll see you later.